waiting, answering the phone. You just called. She did again. I decided to get right in the air because one more, she said. Then you repeated the directions, if you're ready. Not a big conversationalist. Person of few words. Very direct. Very, very not Phil. To the point. I figured since we didn't get to really chat, I'll chat this way. Here, now, on the air with you. With all of us. With just me. Here's the thing about you. About... I'm a bit paranoid that maybe it was the mushrooms? You? Maybe they learned how to mimic human voice and it's a trap. Probably is, right? Or... Mushrooms are tricky. Those little mushroom guys in Super Mario Brothers, Goombas, they actually weren't designed as mushrooms, but rather the creator based them off chestnuts, but graphical limitations. There already was a good amount of mushroom motif in Super Mario Brothers. Princess Toadstool, those little toads. Maybe Super Mario Brothers caused the mushroom plague. Maybe this is all those once chestnuts, current mushroom Goombas getting revenge for us stomping on them all these years. Is that it? Are you mad about Super Mario? So, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome to Phil in the Morning. Hanani! Just kind of jumped on here without... Where's that CD? Ahaha! Here we go. Sorry. A bit. Here we are. During one of my many stints being unemployed, I got really into watching speedruns. Speedruns are interesting. Well, to some people. It's when you play a video game and try to beat it in the fastest time possible. My favorite is the original Super Mario because they have it down to an art. They know exactly when to jump, when to run, where all the enemies are. It's amazing. They get so close to disaster, but pixel perfect. Hit the jump, dodge the hammer. So confident. I remember playing it herky-jerky, unsure, but they race through like it's nothing. Like, life will just work out. Just trust the buttons, trust the muscle memory of a million runs through World 4-3. They take these already hard games and just add challenges. Someone figured out in the original Legend of Zelda, you could beat the game without ever getting a sword. You can get to the end of the game without the sword. The sword seems essential. It seems like the most basic important thing, and nope, you don't need it. I don't have the patience to do speedruns myself. All that dying, you live, you die, you rise again, you die, you die, you die, over and over, hunting that perfect run, a million little deaths for that one great hero run. I can't imagine. I'm, I'm a wide, shallow pool, right, Nevy? Too many risks. I don't get to try again. If the piranha plant gets me, it gets me. If I jump wrong and fall down a pit, I can't hit reset. Not out there. When you call, when you set a meeting, you have to understand I have to risk the run to decide. Ginny taught me a trick about how to decide between two options. You may know it. She'd take a coin and put it in one of her hands and then put her hands behind her back, switch up the coin, and then she'd offer up her two fists. She'd say, pick a hand. If it has the coin, we do it. If it doesn't, we don't. Then I'd pick a hand and she'd say, what did you want it to be? Because when you chose a hand, you have a brief flash of what you hope the outcome will be. There's a flash of, please let the coin be there. There's your answer. The problem is once you've done the trick, it's harder to get the true answer. You overthink. Like those trick question tests, the logic tests or quizzes you would take online. You know it's probably a trick question, so the obvious answer has to be wrong. You only get it right because you know there's a trick to it. Two circles with different color backgrounds, and they're like, which circle is bigger? And there's obviously one that looks bigger, but that can't be the answer. So you go, it's not the other one. They must be the same size. They don't look the same size, but why else would they be asking it? You look brilliant, but you're not brilliant. You're just gaming this test. You're lying. One circle does look bigger. It is bigger, even if it is the same size. We love little tricks and games because we think we're smart because we know the trick. Is that intelligence? 
is knowledge. Just knowing a bunch of random shit and being able to parrot it back to just know an answer. There's no puzzling out the answer to the riddle. You were just told the answer. Like how in high school, Billy and me would watch the Twilight Zone marathons and we'd just yell out the twist as fast as we could. She's beautiful. It's a cookbook. They're dead. Alien. We were too busy trying to yell out the twist. We didn't even enjoy the show. We get it. You're smart. Shut up and let's see what happens. Isn't knowledge being able to do something with information? Growing up, this is just going to sound like a brag, but teachers always said, I had a lot of potential. Maybe that was bullshit. They said to everyone, potential. I got good grades. I read in the Apple group, the highest reading group. But there's a point where you have the potential, but it just stays potential. It never turns from potential into things. I am still filled with potential. Like how a bottle rocket is full of stuff to explode, but for whatever reason, it never gets launched. It's just waiting. Theoretical. It never explodes. What good is potential if you are just always full of it? Does it matter? Maybe I'm not. Maybe potential is just a kindness we pretend everyone has. Maybe I'm just filled with guts and blood and water. Maybe that's okay, too. Because when you have this idea that you should be doing more and then you don't, you just feel shitty and unsettled. Jenny was focused. She was turning potential into whatever that stuff that potential turns into was. I, I was listless. I, I didn't really want a career. I wanted, oh, I don't know what, not working in the bookstore or the museum membership office or the cafe. I wanted Jenny, her dreams. I wanted to make them happen. Also, it made sense to stay home with when... No. Nebby had potential. Maybe that's why we didn't get along. Two big bags of potential frustrated at being so full. I bet whoever made this CD had potential. But they... Why didn't they write anything? A title, a track list, a note, an explanation. Or were they like, this speaks so clearly, this music says everything, that even a word, a letter, would be too much. It would be too much to handle to give this a name. I wish I had that confidence to mail out CDs, to just be quiet and let something speak for itself. I explained my explanations. I... Let's just... Let's just let things be. Hey, you know what phrase I hate? A lot of them, actually. Like, what can I do you for? It's gross. And just people would say that like it wasn't. Ugh. But rather what I was thinking about. I had this boss at Cool Beans, a cafe I worked at, who always said, God only gives you what you can handle. If you ascribe to this, are you saying God made some people specifically so they can suffer more? He was like, Timmy, you're going to be delicate and we'll go easy on you. Jane, though. You're in for a world of shit, but don't worry, I gave you strong angles, and when you kick the wall in frustration, it won't hurt that much. Why does Tim get to chill, and Jane has to scream and cry and suffer? Because she can handle it? What about people who killed themselves? Did God just mess up his pain and suffering index? Or was that just all they could handle? What would the ancient Greeks say? I bet Silenus would enjoy that saying. Or, I don't know. I don't. Once you open that theological can of worms, it gets really wriggly. Why are there worms in a can? Fishing? I guess, but still. Don't can worms. Don't open cans of worms. Just let sleeping worms lie, lay, wriggle. Earthworms aren't even native to America. 
They came over in dirt from English ships. Dirt in the bottom of ships to keep them stable. They just dumped the worms out and the worms just sort of took over. Kind of like colonists, I guess. Like a lot of things. Well, I'm sure that's what the worms could handle. God only gives you what you can handle. Sure, it's fine. It was just a panacea, you say, to get you through the day. This boss had cool beans. She wasn't really examining it like rabbis arguing the Talmud, but really, it puts a lot on you. It really makes it your fault if you get overwhelmed. Like she's saying, God really thought you could handle this, don't you know? He created everything, planned it all out, so you sh really shouldn't be depressed or sad. Also, you restock those mugs the wrong way, mug handles go left-facing. God thought you could handle mug handles, but I guess he was overconfident in your commitment to cool beans. But hey, what does he know? He's only the omnipotent creator, so maybe just reorient those handles and just smile a bit more. Now get back out there and handle it. It's kind of victim-blaming in a way. Makes bad things really personal. It's like the reason bad shit is happening to you is because you can handle it. The better you are at dealing with things, the more things you should be dealt. But what the fuck, God? Why do we have to handle things at all? All this shit and suffering, war and terror and famine and death and mushrooms to see if we can handle it? I know, eating the snake, the apple, but come on, all of this, this? Just because of one bad choice in a garden? Maybe God should have known we couldn't handle not eating apples. Apples. Maybe it's because we still eat apples. Like, maybe that's it. If eating the apple got us kicked out, why do we still eat apples? Maybe it's just pissing God off all over again. We eat apples, now mushrooms are eating us. I'm so upset about this, and the kicker is I don't even believe in God. Not really. Maybe. Probably. It's complicated. It's all a petulant, pedantic argument. If you believe, great, do it. I used to be one of those angry atheists who was like, if I don't believe, you don't believe because science and it's stupid and magic and blah, blah, blah. But really, if you are happy, be happy. Just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick about God in either direction. I should know, I was a dick a lot. I also used to be a dick about movies and I was probably just as militant about people loving the movie Brazil as I was about atheism. Eventually, you just sort of realize that if you can find joy in it, find joy in it. Movies, God, food, whatever. I do like the little signs they have that say, bless this mess. In a kitchen, in someone's grandma's house, bless this mess. That I like. But maybe that's driving someone else insane. They hate it. You hate it. All these little things we say we don't even mean, and they cut someone else to ribbons. Ginny would. We'd, she'd get a snack sometimes, and I don't... I, I don't know why I'd say, wow, that's a lot. I didn't even mean it. It was almost like a reflex without thinking. Like you see the sky and you just go blue. But she, I would say it. And then she'd go back to the kitchen and just throw it away. She asked me to stop. I, I want it to stop. But sometimes I, I'd see that slice of cake or that bowl of chips and then that's a lot. Why? Why the fuck did I keep doing that? It was nothing to me to not say it. It only made life better, easier, happier. And yet I kept, yet I still, it's not like I wasn't stacking cookies six high. It's not like it's, it's not tiny, stupid things become so big. How do we do this? How, how do we build our museums? Pick the artifacts, write the labels, explain the things we don't even understand about ourselves, our world. Do we just fake it? Do we just... Two hands. One has the coin. It says, go meet with this mystery girl. The only other voice in my universe. The other hand, maybe it's a trick or I'm hallucinating. 
Saying yes to the call is the risk. Saying yes is hard because it's a change. Saying no is the easy way with everything. Ginny was always working to get the museums to say yes to her exhibit ideas. Yes is hard. Yes is a gamble. It's, it's money. It's blame. It makes you look dumb. You said yes to that? No is easy. No doesn't risk your reputation, your finances. No is staying in your safe bunker. Yes is out there. Two hands. One coin. Pick a coin. Pick a hand. Here's some choosing music. People may think it's the loneliness that gets to me, but it's not. It's this CD, this song. I swear, have you heard it? This particular track, I never, it's changing or something, or there's like a hidden CD that comes out sometime. I know that sounds, it, 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 it sounds, maybe it's alive. Maybe it's haunted. Maybe I'm just bad at listening. I am bad at listening, but they talk about personal relationships with art. Maybe this CD and I are in some complicated power struggle. Maybe the CD is trying to understand me as much as I'm trying to understand it. We're at an impasse. I think we should see other people. Don't take it personal. It's weird. It's not you, it's me. I'm too sensitive. I cried at batteries not included. I would form these connections with TV shows. With Like the first death that really impacted me was Gene Siskel. He was a film critic. He had a show with Roger Ebert and they'd fight about movies. I was a kid and I'd watch them every week. They were sort of famous for reviewing movies. It was a different time. Then Siskel got sick. I think he had a brain thing or cancer or brain cancer. He died. It was sort of sudden. He was a permanent thing in my life, on my TV, until he wasn't. There was no dramatic buildup, no big final episode, no closure. One day it was Siskel and Ebert, and the next, not. Siskel was important. He was on TV, he had awards, and yet he died, and movies kept going. Movies he would have loved. People were sad, I was sad, but people kept going. Same for us. When we die, there will be things created after we are dead that we would have loved. That we would say, oh, I feel like they made that just for me. It's why we're lucky to have lived it all. Silenus is wrong. It's not dying soon. It's living long enough to see the beautiful. We cover ourselves in beauty. We share it. We hold it. We lose it. We find it again. We get mad, angry, sad. Such sadness. Maybe that's just me. Pain fades in memory, but beauty seems to last. Last longer than the pain of stub toes, insults, politics. The mushrooms can take them away, but not forever. Well, maybe politics. That can stay away. It won't. There will still be politics. As soon as there is society again, there will be factions. The anti-mushroom party versus the mushrooms are bad party. The whole anti-spore lobby, secret donors, dark money. Don't even think about voting third party. Sure, just throw your anti-fungal vote away. <laughs> I used to get so mad about the news, about every tiny thing. I take it so to heart. I bet during the Roman Empire there were councils elected or emperors who people said, hey, that's it, we're done, this is the worst guy that ever could be elected and we're doomed. Yet it kept going until it didn't, but I'm sure every civilization is littered with a ton of the absolute worst ever. Chinese, emperors, Babylonian, Assyrian, Nubian, all of them, Persian. 
I wonder how long I can just name ancient civilizations. Phoenicians, Gauls, um... Wow, not very long. Egyptian, Assyrian, did I already say that? Greeks, Carthage. Was that a civilization or just a city? How big does a place have to be to become a civilization? That's beyond my pay grade. Mongols, Huns, Holy Roman Empire, Russia. Anyway, it all seems like the end of the world. Then the mushroom plague comes and it is the end of the world. Or not. In a thousand years, there may be people talking about how overblown the fungus panic was. Distance makes it easier. It's easy to talk about all the good things that crusades brought about when you're not getting killed by a crusader. Alexander wasn't so great when he was burning your city. There's always that historian who writes a book about how this guy we thought was the worst was really good. At least the trains ran on time. Technology was developed. The greater good. Greater for who? Good for what? The, the future? The ones that managed to stay alive? How do they know? We can't prove how it would have gone. If Genghis Khan tripped, fell in a ditch, and died at 10 years old, we don't know how it would be. If some other guy, Reggie, hadn't eaten bad oysters and died, maybe we'd have the glorious Reginald Republic with thousand-story palaces and self-driving hovercats, the floating car that's also a pet. We don't know. We can play what if, and sometimes it's fun, but here we are. All the possible worlds collapsed into the one that is. Reggie died. Genghis Khan conquered. Phil, broadcasts. All right. Uh, I wanted to... I had a plan for this show, but then I got on the air and I... <laughs> best laid plans. I was going to do this Chronicle of Civilization. I, I made some notes, but... In case this is the end of the show, the series finale, at least let me leave behind a recounting of... But I didn't finish and my notes are scattered. But... Maybe I should stay so I can do this right, but if I don't do it now, I won't. I'll keep just putting it off. Let's do some intro music. No, not that track. No. No. Ugh, worse. Better. Worse again. That one. Okay, good enough. Because that's me, Phil. Good enough. Here's what was important and vital for my civilization. Let's start with TV. TV was like small films in your house. What are films? Films are like big, long TV shows shown on a big screen. The difference, I guess, is TV has commercials in the middle of programs, which is an odd format if you think about it. They just have ads right in the middle. How'd they come up with that? Why were people okay with that? Did that happen in vaudeville? Is that where that comes from? I never really considered it. It was just how it was, weird. Well, they had to pay for it somehow, I guess. They just give it away for free. Anyway, TV. One form of TV was sitcoms, which are, we really just accepted commercials? We could have said no, but money, right? Why does it have to make money? Couldn't it just... Sitcoms! Sitcoms are comedies. Situational. They usually are family or office-based. It's like, I'm the dad and I'm dumb. I'm the wife. I take care of stuff. We're the kids, usually a boy and a girl. Oh no, the boss is coming over for dinner. The wife is trying to decide what clothes to wear, the roast is burning, the kid says something dumb, but oh no, the other boss is also coming over. There are two dinners at the same time, but 
twist. The one boss thinks the dad is a woman. He has to also change between being a man and a woman while running across the house to each dinner. The wife keeps burning the roast. Now the girl daughter is failing math at school and her boyfriend wants to go all the way. The mom burns the roast again, but on purpose to show her that her flower is important and that she should be ready. The dad is a woman now and now the boss is in love with her and the son thinks the dad is his girlfriend and oh no, they hilariously almost accidentally kiss. The daughter is now a college graduate and the episode ends with everyone learning you can't impress the boss and be a woman. Post credits tag, the burnt roast is a senator now. There you go, that's basically sitcoms. Sometimes they have special episodes where they talk about drugs. Then later they had sitcoms that made fun of sitcoms, and then there was a trend of sitcoms that are just mean people being mean to each other. Edgy sitcoms. They're like, a guy has sex with a girl, the girl says he's bad at sex, then they do drugs, and then there's like a montage to a popular song that makes you like the show because you like the song. Then the guy and the girl talk about pop culture, and the guy says how the girl has a saggy butt. The girl gets mad, does more drugs, sleeps with a married guy. Then the girl and her best friend go to a club, but then they realize that they're too old for that. They go to a diner. They make a joke about how they used to try out being lesbians in college because then they get sad. They feel old because they're 24. The friend of the girl, she hooks up with a hot waiter in the bathroom, but his penis gets stuck in her because they used peanut butter as lube because she heard that peanut butter gives you a crazy orgasm. But now they're stuck together and have to pretend to be a pantomime horse and go to a doctor. The doctor is like a bad doctor who just wants to do drugs with them. Then the man from the beginning has some heartfelt talk where he realizes that women are not objects. Also, everyone is rich, but they don't explain how. More drugs. Then the guy and the girl find each other on a road late at night and they have a talk and they get personal and it's not funny and there are no jokes, but it seems real, like how real people talk. Then they make fun of a fat guy who is jogging and they connect over how much they hate everyone. Then they get a text from the friend of the girl. It's a pic of the doctor's butt wearing a stethoscope. Slow pan up to the night sky and another hip indie song plays. That's edgy sitcoms. They swear on those. They don't really have jokes, but they're fine. Too. Then the other main thing is dramas. They are usually an hour long and they usually either have a lawyer or a cop or a doctor or maybe all three like doctor, lawyer, cop. Doctor, lawyer, cop is performing surgery when he finds out that his patient has been murdered. He investigates the crime. He interviews people but they are busy moving boxes and are like, I don't got no time to talk to you. But doctor, lawyer, cop gets him to admit that the victim was having trouble with his wife's brother. The brother is a jerk and he says he doesn't know about no murder. But then they find a knife with the brother's prints and suddenly he's like, okay, Dr. Lawyer, you got me, I did it, but I want you to defend me. Dr. Lawyer Cop knows it's his legal oath to defend, but a murderer, will he? Then he gets a call. His girlfriend is in the hospital with brain amnesia. Then it's to be continued. They do that a lot, serialized. That's drama shows. Well, also there's these more prestigious shows about a white guy, usually. It was starting to get a little more diverse, but then the mushrooms. But this white guy is an anti-hero and he has a wife who's like, hey, stop being such an anti-hero. And he's like, but I'm brooding. Then he commits crimes, but feels bad about it, but not bad enough to stop the crimes. And then he does something really bad and eventually it all goes to hell. There's a lot of that. Or sad rich guy being sad and rich. That's a thing. That can also be a sitcom. That's not really fair. Most of these TV shows are really good, and I watch them. I probably watch too much or 
Oh, there's also sci-fi shows. This... I'm not going to be able to distill all of civilization. I'm not even good at it. I, I can't even do TV, let alone sculpture or a bicameral legislature, democracy, all the types of Oreos, movies. Movies. Movies are too big. There's also like Bollywood, which is from India. They have all sorts of... I didn't really watch that many, but the dancing is really... There's also Nigeria. They had a whole film thing. I read an article in The Atlantic, I think, about it. It's also a something wood, but what was it? I don't know. Also, oh, China. China, big in film. Japan, anime, cartoons. I didn't. Shit. Also, Korea, that guy who made The Host. I'm not good at this. This was a terrible idea. Really, why, why is there commercials in the middle of... That's so... I thought I could do this. I, I wrote notes because I woke up in the middle of the night. I had that pit in my stomach and I thought, yeah, I'm going to meet this person. I have to meet them. I pretend like it's a question, like I have a choice, but I don't. Uh, not really. Because this isn't a life. I'm all... And then the phone lights up but right then. Right as I'm sick with fear. Is it fear? I have to see you. I have to try, right? If there's even a remote chance to... The bunker is... It's a maze. I'm in the middle of, like, that minotaur. They, they put him in a labyrinth, left him to die or kill or to forget. A maze is about movement, entrance to exit. It's not about living in it. You don't live in a maze. But I'm here, stuck, with a Garfield calendar that I threw across the room, with this CD that keeps changing. You, If you are there, if you're... Let's unstick. We might hate each other, just start screaming at each other, punching, but no, I, I, I won't punch you. I, I never punched any. That's not true. Once as a joke, I was trying to be cool at a party, and I punched Alan, but it was like a joke, but not a joke. But a, I was mad at him, but I didn't. Look, that doesn't matter. I was angry, but what? But what 17-year-old boy isn't angry? Why? I don't know. Life seemed so unfair and upsetting, but it wasn't even anything yet. It wasn't finding and losing everything. But sometimes even terrible is better than stagnant. I'm afraid, but I have to go. Hanani, I am ready. Like Abraham. I bet he was afraid every time. Because when God called and lit up the phone, it was never just to chat. He always wanted something. Everything was a test. Everything was big. Never just, how's the wife? How are the camels? Did you know they never mentioned cats in the Bible? Not once. I'm stalling. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to die. But I thought maybe before I go and probably die, I could just summarize all the things that I experienced. It was dumb. I, I tried to be cute with it, like that whole... Doctor, lawyer, cop, I came up with that in, in my head, it seemed. Then it's, it's easy to make fun of things, to find the flaws. But if you love something, love it. If other people don't, it's fine. Don't think they're dumb because they like that show with the magician who fights crimes with the FBI. Or the show with the super-powered snake that has bionic legs and works in patent law. Love things. Don't get all self-conscious and feel stupid and you wonder, am I dumb? Maybe. Maybe you are dumb. That's fine. We can't all be smart. We shouldn't be. What is smart anyway? I, I don't know, because I'm dumb. That's fine. Or... 
rather we're all smart in our own way and we're all dumb in our own way. That's, I don't know who you are, who you've become, what you did or didn't do, what sort of memories trigger that guilt in your heart and, and which ones make you cry. But if I die, if I don't come back, just keep going. Cause you should. There was this one speedrun video I saw. The guy took like a thousand of his speedruns and, and laid them all on top of one another. You saw like all these Super Marios. It was like blurry and each time he messed up his run, he'd take away that layer. It starts out with a thousand Marios and, and one by one they just peel away as they mess up a jump, the timing is off, whatever. As the levels increase, the, the Marios slowly vanish until there's just one Mario left. He makes it to the end. You realize how much can go wrong. How many little deaths Mario must die before the end? But in the end, he gets there. But also, all of the other Marios got to an end, their own end. Maybe just in the attempt, we find something. I might be the Mario that misses a jump in World 1 2, or dies in 4 1, or 8 1, or even right at the bridge before the end. I don't know how close I got because. It'll be over. But think of all the weird, wonderful shit I got to see by not staying in my plumber house. Press start to begin. I thought there was only two hands, one coin. But really, it's an endless blur of Mario's. Pick a Mario, any Mario. Maybe he'll make it. There's always a chance. There's, there's, a, there's always that flawless run. A hundred coins and you get a one-up. I have to get ready. I, I, I have to, to see you, her, something. You know what else is good about TV? With each new season, more drama, more shit happens to the characters. But usually the season finale ends pretty well. One of two ways, either it wraps up or it ends on a cliffhanger. If the season ends well, then they have to unravel the happy ending and make it bad for the heroes again. But you don't have to watch. If you don't keep watching, then that happy ending is your ending. Doesn't matter how many more seasons happen, how many characters die, break up, cry, scream. To you, they're frozen with their season three happy ending. Michael Scott never left. Will Gardner never died. That helicopter didn't crash. Dr. Lawyer Cop and Mrs. Dr. Lawyer Cop never divorced. Nothing ever ends. You just stop watching at some point. It all works out if you just stop. But you say. But that other stuff still happened. Even if you don't see it, it happened. Maybe. Alan Moore wrote this Superman comic called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. It was the final adventure of Superman. It ties up all the stuff that happened. But they still wanted to make Superman stories afterwards, so they build it as an imaginary story. They do that when they had stories that happened out of continuity. They'd make an imaginary Superman story. But Moore's story could be the real end, because aren't all Superman stories imaginary? Maybe that was the last real story, and all the others that came after it, those are the imaginary. You can decide. You can choose. Writers create the story, but once it's on the page, it's yours. Maybe when you stop at season three, that's the end of what's real. Maybe you stop after the honeymoon, the first year. The day before that park gets covered in red mushrooms. The last time you brought home Starbucks. The rest, the rest is just imaginary.
But we didn't stop, did we? Here we are. Hineni. Are you ready? Here we go.